15 points today, and that's no lie, I do, I have 15 points. Y'all are laughing like, oh yeah, he's joking. No, I'm not. But uh, that's good to have 15 points after a big meal like that, especially with a lot of starch and, you know, the, the whole spaghetti and pasta thing. Boy, that was delicious, wasn't it? Uh, you ladies have just outdone yourselves, and thank you so much for each week doing that. Uh, I know a lot of you say you enjoy doing it. I'll tell you this, I enjoy eating it, so <laughs> praise the Lord for it. Uh, it's uh, certainly a joy to, to have uh, folks helping in that area. I'm going to spend uh, some time this afternoon, and I'm going to go through the first uh, seven points of this pretty quickly. We're just going to give you some references and talk to you a little bit this afternoon about what God's Word does for us. Uh, but we're going to spend the Lord willing, unless God directs uh, the message a different way, uh, we're going to spend most of the message on the last eight points, which are what are we supposed to be doing with God's Word? And uh, try to be a help to you according to what the Bible would teach us on these matters. Nehemiah chapter number 8, if you will, and uh, verse number 9. The Bible says, Nehemiah, and Nehemiah which uh, is the, is the Tershitha, uh, and Ezra the priest, the scribe, and the Levites that taught the people, said unto all the people, This day is holy unto the Lord your God, mourn not nor weep. For all the people wept when they heard the words of the law. One of the things that God's Word does for us, and we've spoken about it uh, a number of times here recently, is that God's Word brings conviction to our lives. And uh, I want to just spend a moment on this. We're not going to spend this much time on each of these first few points. But I do want to make mention of this idea of the conviction that God's Word brings into our lives. And that is this. We as God's people need to know how to respond appropriately to it. Um, in recent days, and recent years, our, our society has grown so um, offense, offensive, conscious, I guess. I don't know how to even word it. We've become so hypersensitive to being offended. Let me say it that way, okay? That oftentimes, if we're not careful, we will mistake true conviction of God's Word as something that offends us. And we'll leave and say, boy, that offended me, and who does that pastor think he is, or that preacher think he is, to say such things from the pulpit. If he's preaching the Word of God, and our hearts are pricked, uh, remember when Stephen, the, the deacon that was filled with the Holy Ghost, got up and began to preach, and the Bible says that the people, because of what he was preaching, they stopped their ears, and they ran upon him, and they gnashed upon him with their teeth, and they stoned him. And you look at that, and you read that, that, that scenario, and you hear the, the silliness of what they were doing. It's kind of like the kid who's uh, mad at his mom and dad and don't want to hear what their mom and dad has to say, so they go, la, 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 I'm not listening, la, 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 like that. And uh, that's the kind of reaction these people had when Stephen got up and preached. The truth is, the Bible says they were pricked in their hearts. And they responded inappropriately. They looked at it as something that was uh, offensive, something they didn't want to hear, and uh, so they turned it out. Uh, one other way that people uh, respond to conviction, and I've watched it happen over and over and over again. Sad to say, I've had it happen in my life uh, more often than I care to like to refer to. And that is the conviction comes and we do not respond at all to it. And it just goes away at some point. 
And we, if we do that on a regular basis, become apathetic to conviction. It makes it that much easier the next time conviction comes to downplay it and to not respond to it. What ought to take place in a Christian's life when, when, when true Bible conviction comes, uh, we read something in Scripture, it shows us something about ourselves, and the Holy Spirit pricks our heart, is we need to first of all thank the Lord for it, then we need to get on our knees and deal with the matter. And say, Lord, I need to get this matter settled. If it's a sin, I'll confess it, and I'll uh, uh, turn away from it. I'll, I'll not do it anymore. If it's something that we're omitting that we ought to be doing, again, confessing it to the Lord, saying, Lord, I'm going to do my very best uh, to start doing these things. And uh, as God brings conviction, that we respond appropriately to that leading of the Holy Spirit in our lives. So I want to say this. The Word of God brings this to us. Uh, the Bible talks about it in the book of James, about doing the Word and not being hearers only, and not just looking into it uh, as we would a mirror and seeing what manner of men we are and leaving and straightway forgetting what manner of men we are, but we're to do something about what we see. When we come to the perfect law of liberty, it shows us what we are. We're to do something about it. And uh, so that's what uh, the Bible teaches very clearly. And here in Nehemiah, uh, when the word of the law was read, what the scriptures that they did have at the time, the Bible says they wept. Uh, it, they were convicted by what they heard. And great revival comes. If you'll read later on in that passage, the whole nation of Israel turns to God because of the great conviction that God brought on their lives. So God's word brings conviction. Psalm 17 and verse number 4, if you've got a moment, turn there with me. And if you don't have a moment, just turn there with me. Um, <laughs> Psalm, Psalm 17. I don't know why I said if you if you got a moment, because we're all here, right? We all have that moment. Psalm 17, verse number 4. Concerning the works of men, by the word of thy lips have I kept me from the paths of the destroyer. It corrects us. It keeps us from the paths of the destroyer. Um, it has a way of directing us and keeping us, and uh, when we're in the wrong way, it finds a way to put us back in the right way and does uh, a, a correcting of our lives. Psalm 119 and verse number 9 is a very familiar passage. Wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way? The Bible has a cleansing effect for us by taking heed thereto according to thy word. John chapter number 8. Now I know I'm going quickly through these because we want to spend... Uh, most of this is my way of review for us. I don't think any of these are going to be new to us. Uh, so it, it convicts us, it corrects us, it cleanses us. John chapter number 8, verse number 31. <clears throat> then said Jesus to the Jews which believed on him, If ye continue in my word, then are ye my disciples indeed. It makes disciples of us. It makes us followers of Christ. Uh, so again... Uh, Convicts us, brings conviction, it brings correction, it cleanses us, um, it, it uh, brings uh, us to a point of becoming a disciple or a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ, causes us to serve Him the way that uh, we're supposed to. Proverbs chapter 22 and verse number 21. Proverbs chapter 22 and verse number 21. that I might make thee know the certainty of the words of truth, that thou mightest answer the words of truth to them that send unto thee. It equips us. It equips us. We know the certainty of the truth 
and we're ready to give an answer or to share that truth with others. It equips us to do the work that God's given us to do. Psalm 119, verse 105, Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. It guides us. It guides us. It's a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. First Timothy uh, chapter number 3 and verse number 16. I meant 2 Timothy. Sorry about that. All Scripture, there we go, is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. So we've dealt with um, the correction. We've dealt with the reproof. But it teaches us doctrine and it instructs us in righteousness. So it educates us. All right? It educates us. So seven things that the Word of God does for us. It brings conviction. It corrects us. cleanses us. It causes us to be disciples. It equips us for the work, it guides us, and it educates us. So we, we pretty well know these things. I don't think any of those would be a surprise to any of us here. The thing I want to focus on this afternoon is, what are we then to do with God's Word? What, are, what is our responsibility towards it? So let's take time to look at these a little closer. Uh, first of all, turn with me to Deuteronomy chapter number 17. Deuteronomy chapter number 17. And we'll begin reading in verse number 18. Deuteronomy chapter number 17 and verse number 18. And it shall be when he sitteth upon the throne of his kingdom that he shall write him a copy of this law in a book out of that which is before the priests, the Levites. And it shall be with him and he shall read therein, notice this, all the days of his life. He may learn to fear the Lord his God. To keep all the words of this law, these statutes, to do them. Uh, we are to read the Word of God. And I, I fear sometimes that we, especially after you're saved for a long period of time, maybe you've had a regular Bible reading schedule for a number of years. If we're not careful, as we get older, we may say, you know what, uh, I've read the Bible and it's okay to read it here and there, but maybe I'm going to uh, not read it as much as I should. But the Bible tells us the word to read it all the days of our lives. I remember a dear, dear friend of mine years ago, Brother Dale Lantis, and uh, he was an old-time, I mean old-time, conservative Plymouth Brethren. Uh, uh, they called them elders. They don't have pastors in that movement. Solid, solid doctrine. That man knew more doctrine than I've forgotten about. Uh, I mean, he's just unbelievable. And dear friend, probably twice my age, he was... In his 70s when I was probably in my 30s, I would think. But dear, dear friend, he came to me when I first became a pastor. He had been such a close friend to my father over the years. And he and my father had great times of fellowship and prayer together. And he came to me a few months after my dad passed away. And uh, we, we talked one afternoon, just had a great time of fellowship for about two hours, just discussed the blessings of God and how God had been doing things. And um, he called me up a couple days later. And he said, uh, he said, Greg, I really enjoyed that time just spending with you, just talking about the things of the Lord. He said, if you would allow me to, he said, I'd like to, if your schedule would permit, he said, I'd like to come by your office every Wednesday and us just have a time together. And for two or three years, every Wednesday, unless I was out of town or he was out of town, he'd come by my office. 
And we'd sit and we'd weep and we'd laugh and we'd pray together and just discuss the goodness of God. And his, this was a man that just, when you walked into the room, you felt God's presence there. You ever, you ever known somebody like that? I remember he got sick and they found out he had some cancer. I went to go visit him in the hospital. And he was weeping. I had gone to try to be a blessing to him. And I said, Brother Dale, is there anything I can do for you? And he said, he had his Bible sitting there on the side of his nightstand. And he said, the thing I miss most. He said, I cannot read my Bible. And boy, that impacted me. I mean, I read my Bible. But here's a man that when he could not do it physically, it broke his heart. I said, Brother Dale, would you like me to read it for you? And he said, that'd be great. And I sat there by his bedside and I read his scripture to him. Good old King James Bible. Boy, he just smiled from ear to ear. And I went each day until he passed away and read the scriptures to him. That was the delight of his life. And I've often wondered if I delight in the Word of God the way that Brother Dale did. If I missed a day... Would it really devastate me? Would I be driven to the point of weeping and tears that I did not have the opportunity to read God's Word that day? Oh, what a precious saint of God. We need to read God's Word. It's God's Word to us. I told the folks in chapel the other day, I was preaching in junior high and high school chapel. Uh, I've got, this is the second Bible I've had of this type of Bible. The first one I had was in college, and I've worn both of them out. This one's about to fall apart. The first one I had uh, while I was in college, and I wrote in the front of it, in Genesis 1-1, I wrote, Dear Greg. And then I went to the end of Revelation, the very back of the Bible, and I wrote, Your loving Heavenly Father. The reason I did that is I always wanted to remember that this book is something that It's not just a book that was written to mankind, but this is God writing things to me. This is special to me. This is the book that I need to delight in, that I need to love, that I need to cherish with all of my heart. We need to read it. Romans chapter number 10. If you'll turn there with me. Romans chapter number 10, verse number 17. Romans chapter 10, verse number 17 says, So then faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. Can I tell you this? We need to listen to the Word of God. The Bible says that faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. We ought to listen to the Word of God every time we get an opportunity. If some brother or sister in Christ walks into church on Wednesday night and says, Boy, brother, let me share something God gave me this week. It ought to thrill our hearts. We ought to stop and say, Boy, I'm excited to hear it. I want to hear what God's... I went to, a couple years ago, several years ago now, I was still in Florida just before we moved up here. A pastor came to see me. I'd never met him before. I talked to him on the phone and knew who he was. But I'd never met him in person before. He came over one day to visit us from across the state. And he took me out to lunch. He said, Pastor, I want to take you out to lunch. And he had one of the men of his church with him. So we went to a Mexican restaurant and we went to go sit down in the booth. And the lady came and took our drink order. And he looked up at me and he said, Pastor, what has God given you from His Word lately? 
I often wonder what we would say if someone asked us that sometimes. God had been so working in my heart on a particular thing in Scripture, and I shared it with him. It was just a phrase from Psalm 23, He restoreth my soul. And I told him, I said, Brother, this phrase has been such a blessing to me in the last few weeks, and God's given this something that I can anchor to during a very dark time of my life. And I said, it's been such a blessing to me. He went back to his church, and about a year later, he invited me to come over and preach one, one Wednesday evening, or Tuesday evening. They moved their service to Tuesday in the summertime. So I went over there to preach, and he got ready to introduce me, and he told the folks, he said, you remember about a year ago, I came home, and he said, I did a series of messages on He Restoreth My Soul. And all the people were like, yes, yes, we remember that. He said, I was out to lunch with this fellow and asked him what God had given him recently. And he said, brother, it's just he restoreth my soul. And God used something that God had given to me to help somebody else and to help a whole other church. Can I tell you this? We need to be listening and sharing the things that God gives us in the Word of God. It could be just what the other person needs. You ever thought about this? Sometimes, and I was telling somebody this the other day, sometimes God puts us through a valley to... to try our patience and to strengthen our faith. You ever thought about this? Sometimes when God puts us in the valley and we don't see that, we don't see Him testing our faith or building our faith, we don't really... You ever thought that maybe He puts us in there so we can share that with someone else and be a blessing and help to them? How God brought us through that? We need to listen to Scripture. We need to be able to tell it to others. Psalm 1, if you will. Psalm 1, verse number 2. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in this law doth he meditate day and night. We find a couple of things here. Number one, we need to delight in God's Word. We've spoken of that. It ought to be the joy of our lives when we get the opportunity and the privilege to open these blessed pages. Is it the great joy or is it the mundane task? Is it, is it the chore or is it the dessert? Do we delight in God's Word? If we set the time aside for it and we're not rushed through it, and then we sit there and feast upon it, can I tell you this? It's not long before it delights your heart. His delight is in the law of the Lord, and in this law doth he meditate day and night. Third, or Fourthly, we need to meditate in it. We need to meditate in it. That means don't quickly pass over it. Mull it over. Think about it. Sometimes you have to think a little bit on some of these verses. Uh, even ones that seemingly are simple on the surface, if you'll stop and think about them, have such deeper meaning. I, I was listening to a fellow by the name of Sam Gipp, a preacher, and he made this statement one time. I was in a conference and he was preaching, and he said, every time we come to Scripture, we ought to read it as if it's the very first time we've ever read it. Can I tell you that the Bible comes alive when we read it that way? How many of you know the story of, David and Goliath. You've heard it? How many of you have heard it more than once? How many of you have heard it more than a dozen times? How many of you would guesstimate that you've heard it probably more than a hundred times in your lifetime? You know what happens when we hear it a hundred times? It loses its awe. That God takes a stone from a little boy who said, you're not going to defy my God. And he kills a, a giant with it. You say, Brother Greg, he didn't die till he cut his head off. No, the Bible says he fell down dead. 
That's a miracle. How about the three Hebrew boys in the middle of a fiery furnace? You ever hear that story? Does it excite you now the way that it did the first time you heard it? There was a fourth man in there. And he was like unto the Son of God. I've heard some preachers say the reason he didn't come out with him is that he's still in the fire waiting for you and I when we get there. I don't know if there's any spiritual truth to that, but can I tell you this? Do you remember how excited you were the first time you ever heard that story? These boys come out, they're not even scorched. There's not even the smell of smoke on them. And it's supernatural. We need to meditate on God's Word. How often, especially if we've been saved a period of time, we read quickly over the the passage and we miss some of the golden nuggets of God's truth. We miss some of the great, great and precious times of the Holy Spirit moving and stirring our hearts. We need to meditate on it. Psalm 119 and verse number 9. We've already quoted in the first part, Wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way by taking heed thereto. So, fifthly, we need to take heed to God's Word. Again, we've explained this. It's more than just listening. It's more than just hearing. It's putting it into practice. To take heed to it. Second Timothy chapter number 2 and verse number 15. 2 Timothy chapter 2 verse 15. Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. We are to study God's word. That's the one we don't like to do. <laughs> that's, that's the one that's hard, isn't it? Corey, you like studying? Is that your favorite thing to do? No. Jonathan, how about you, bud? You love studying? I don't dare ask Brianna because she loves studying. But you know, the Bible says, I think it was Solomon that said that the, the, in the reading of books there is weariness of the flesh. Or I, I'm not quoting exactly right. But there's labor involved in studying. There's a weariness to it. And if we're not careful, we'll shun studying because we're, we're not wanting to pay the price of it. Can I tell you this? We need to study God's Word. That's our responsibility to it. After all it does for us, these are things we ought to be doing with it. We need to study it. Acts chapter number 20, verse number 27, not as familiar of a passage of Scripture, so we'll take time to read that one and look it up. Acts chapter number 20, verse number 27. Paul says this, For I have not shunned to declare unto you all the counsel of God. Can I tell you that we need to declare the Word of God? Boy, in the day we live, there is a great need for God's people to declare it. In order to declare it, we better know it. We better know it. Uh, not just a passing or a shallow or a frivolous knowledge about God's Word. We better know God's Word if we're going to declare it. We need to be able to rightly divide the Word of God. We need to be able to give a defense of it. All right, Psalm 138 and verse number 2. Aren't you glad we're almost done with 15 points? You, you never would have thought we'd made it this fast, did you? Psalm 138 and verse number 2. Let's back up to verse number 1. The psalmist says, I will praise thee with my whole heart. Before the gods will I sing praise unto thee. I will worship toward thy holy temple and praise thy name for thy loving kindness and for thy truth. For thou hast magnified thy word above all thy name. 
Can I tell you this? And this is one that I'm going to take a moment on. We need to have a reverence for God's Word. A few weeks ago, we were back in the PA booth, I think, or somewhere, and uh, someone was here to help me. I don't even remember who it was. And I think it might have been Jonathan or one of the, uh, someone was here. And they took my Bible and they laid it over on the floor just to make room. And I said, can you, can you grab that for me? And I took it and put it on the table. Folks, there's, there's, nothing, there's nothing special or sacred about paper and ink and imitation leather for a binding. But what this book contains deserves our reverence. These are the very words of a holy God. These are things that ought to be special to us. And I'm not talking so much about physically reverencing a, a physical, literal book, although I think there ought to be some respect for that as well. But I'll tell you, there ought to be such a reverence for this thing that we're willing to defend it. We're willing to uphold it. We're ready to proclaim it. We study it. We love it. We cherish it. Why? Because it's God's words to us. We have a reverence for the Word of God. We get an opportunity. Somebody puts out a poster and says, we're going to have some special preaching services. We're going to preach the Word of God on Monday night and on Tuesday night and on Wednesday night and on Thursday night and on Friday night. Can I tell you, we ought not to say, well, we'll come if we don't have anything better to do. What is better than hearing the preaching of God's Word? We've lost a lot of reverence for it, haven't we, over the years? We understand, and I don't think it's any new thing to us to understand what God's Word does for us. But sometimes we need to be reminded of what we ought to be doing with God's Word. And so I hope that will be a help to you this afternoon. Let's stand together. We'll be dismissed in prayer. Father, we're so thankful for Your Word, how it guides, how it directs, how it educates and teaches us things. Lord, I pray that You will help us to be as faithful to our responsibility to it as the Word of God has been to us. That we would uphold these things. May we have a renewed reverence and love and cherish of the Word of God in our lives. That it's something that we don't just punch a, a, a list on and check the mark off that we've read. It's not just a Christian duty that we are obligated to. But Father, that it would become the delight of our lives. So, Father, help us to do all of these things, to be faithful to it, to be faithful to You. Lord, thank You for the day together. What a sweet time it's been around Your Word, around Your people, the time of fellowship. And I pray that You'd help us to leave this place with the messages upon our hearts. We would not soon forget, but that throughout this day and this week, we would meditate and think upon the things that we've been challenged with, we've been instructed with according to Your Word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.